Hey guys, are you one of the many fathers with sons who have lamented the fact that we've lost a sense of what it means to be a man in the church and in the world today? And also, we've lost rites of passage for sons to become men. I would love to be able to come out and talk to the men of your church on rites of passage, building sons into men. The Bible teaches that God has created men to worship, work, protect, provide, lead, and love. And what I've done is built these rites of passages in a malleable way so you can take these, adopt them, or change them to suit your church or your particular son so they can have a clear vision of what manhood is and how to get there. If you would like me to come for a seminar or conference, please reach out to me and we can work out the details. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day today. Fellas, you're going to have to deal with my nasally voice again. It seems like there's this perpetual nasally cough, something that's happening in me. I don't know what's happened the last few months. So I'm going to be a little bit nasally. My guest is actually going to be, he's a little under the weather as well. So you're going to have to deal with that. Wanted to let you know on the front end, but also wanted to let you know of a couple other things. Just to remind you of the Sons and Slaves podcast that we have going on with my boys. They are really hitting it out of the park as we're talking through the book Boyhood and Beyond and talking about raising sons into men. would love for you to check that out if you haven't yet. And honestly, that's kind of an underknown show right now. It really needs to get some steam because it really is so good. My boys have been doing such a great job with that. So check that out. Fruitful and Fearless also with Jordan. Jordan's been doing such a great job just equipping ladies. And I think her show's going on, I don't know, three or four years now. But it's just such great content for ladies that are staying at home, uh, ministry wives, and anybody in between. So check that out if you get a chance. And also, wanted to start giving a shout out to the, the Shepherd's Crook Intensive that's coming up in May. This year, we pushed it back a week because of graduations and all that sort of thing. If you don't know about the intensive, it's two days or three days, two nights in Missouri on the Jacks Fork River. And we spend a great time just hanging out with good buddies. And uh, we're going to be hearing from A.D. Robles this year and then spending a lot of time on the river. That is a minimal cost, 175 if you're wanting to camp, and then 300 if you're wanting a cabin and you want to get frou-frou about it. If you want any, any more information about that, just reach out to me, but I'm going to be hitting that hard this next couple months, just reminding you of the, t- the intensive. Would love for you to come. Okay, I get to talk to a new friend today that I've been watching from afar. I actually got to talk to his father a few months back. I'm talking to Nathan Endicott today. Nathan, how's it going, man? Doing well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I am a little nasally, but uh, hopefully the voice warms up throughout the podcast, so We'll do good. There we go. Well, we'll pray about yeah. that right now. We're going to start off with prayer, <laughs> prayer and then Perfect. we'll dive right in. Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for a brother and all you're doing in his life and family and even as he's uh, doing his job helping the, the community through difficulty and disaster that they've experienced recently. And I uh, just thank you for for him. And I pray for blessing upon this conversation as we talk about so many different things. Just really looking forward to it. Look, just have, having fun talking about hunting and life and family. And so just bless this. Lead us. I trust you well. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, man. For most of my audience, I don't I don't know if a lot of my audience will really know who you are. They have yeah, heard from probably. your dad, but you're, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and then what it is that you do. Yeah, um, I'm 36 years old. 
and I work at a water utility in Eugene, Oregon. So I'm on the West Coast. Uh, so in Oregon, that's kind of like central part of the Willamette Valley. And uh, I went to school in Portland, Oregon. I became a, got my degree in civil engineering and applied it directly to my job. So work is uh, is pretty awesome. Um, went to school for it. That's what I do. I, I love that um, aspect. I, I get to serve my community. So the big part of my education and why I went to school was that how, how do I get a career that directly serves in my community? And so that's water. And uh, yeah, so if, if any of the audience has ever heard of the Cameron Haynes, Cam Haynes worked at a public utility on the other side of town and that's in Springfield. So Cam got me a job in high school and I was a laborer. And so we were laying pipe in the trench <laughs> and that that took carried into my education. So I always kept that with me and knew what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, so my dad, Wayne Endicott, he owns an archery shop in Springfield. So the other part of who I am is growing up out in the and outdoors, bow hunting and loving it. And the other the last part, most importantly, is that um, I'm married. I have four kids and uh, the oldest is a girl, then three boys. They keep us super busy. It's challenging. We're in the heat of it. It's they're six, four, two, and new is the oh, man. Yeah. So it, we're in the thick of it. I do love it. It's hard, challenging, but man, very rewarding. So awesome. That's a little part of me. Yep. Very cool. Ours are nine, six, three, and then two months. And so we've a little got bit a little, better spacing, a little, <laughs> little bit more spread out, but I love that man. So that God has blessed us yeah. to have children. They're all always a blessing and it's just a really cool thing. I think I heard in one of your videos, your wife gets to stay home. Does she stay home, work from home or something like that as well? Yeah, she was an educational assistant right before we're having kids. And then once we had kids, we just wanted to basically focus on raising them. So mm -hmm. much better to have mom at home, I think. And yeah. so, yeah, my wife stay at home. She takes care of the kids and, um, she also sews and does a little bit of side hobbies and things like that. And she loves it. So that's, that's where we're at for now. Very cool. My wife is also a seamstress. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I met her and uh, we, she was going to a tribe, I was pastoring a little church and she started going and, and she had this side gig of making things, sewing things yeah. and yeah. selling them. So that's, it's pretty cool. Okay. So a lot there and want to kind of backtrack a little bit. So you grew up in a hunting environment and also in an environment of hard work that values hard work. And, yeah. you know, from Cam to your dad and uh, everything that you did, even growing up young at a young age. So that's always seems to be a, a, an integral part of your life and hunting yeah. always a, an integral part of your life. But also you have this faith piece. So I'd love to hear about when you became a Christian and, you know, how that is integrated into, you know, how you live, live your life. Sure. Yeah. So uh, parents both took me to church growing up. So from the beginning, I could remember going to church. Um, dad was very consistent with where he'd go. And so uh, the church we went to, um, that was kind of the family uh, of believers. And I was baptized there at that church. Uh, I don't remember the age. I was probably six or seven, um, maybe a little bit younger. And um, that was the uh, accepting my faith and confessing with your mouth. Um, so at the age at which you acknowledge. And then from there, uh, just again, you know, you grow to go to church and just have this uh, basic understanding of what it might mean to be a Christian. And then it wasn't until high school as a freshman, um, I was uh, an athlete, so I played basketball. And then sophomore year, I was convinced to go out for track by the Young Life leader. Are you familiar with Young Life? I've heard of it. Yeah, Young Life is uh, worldwide, uh, started in the U.S. And 
it's a pretty good organization. It's it's targeting, um, Ooh, cool. aimed for uh, high schoolers, but there's also a college and a and a middle school young life, but really aiming at the high school age. And so it, it's based on building relationships. Um, when the when the right to be heard is kind of the slogan that young life leaders have. So you really go in the trenches with the high school kids, um, and and meet them where they're at. So on at schools where they welcome you on campus is great. Anyway, so the high the young life leader for my high school, he was coming to our school, hanging out at lunch. I'd always knew him. Nick Nick Wing is his name, and never really knew what he was about. So one day he was like, "Hey, you should come out for track." I'm like, "Why are you hanging out with high school kids?" And so he invited me. Long story short, we're great friends and uh, still keep in touch. And he invited me to the to the summer camp. And at, at the summer camp, I really understood then what it meant to have a relationship and to grow in your walk with God. That was just a piece that hadn't quite come full circle for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then so I quickly adopted this young life culture and and wanting to share my faith with others in high school and bringing kids to club is what we called it Monday night club and uh, club is an, more of an outreach. So there would be fun kind of hip hop type like mixers and and music and things that just in, bring anybody. Everybody's welcome. It's not church. It's not Sunday school. You mm-hmm. know, it's just out pure outreach. And at the very end, there's a 10 minute talk. And the talk always is very uh, conversational and welcomes kids to be a part of the talk. And then at the end, there's usually a scriptural connection. And this is just, again, to introduce the scriptures to kids that otherwise mm-hmm. may never hear it. Right. So for me, that was a huge transition in my life um, from about sophomore year of high school on. And I, I was actually a young life leader in high school. They called it a student leader. And then on to college, I did young life and at the local high school in Portland where I, where I ran track in college. And um, yeah. And then from there, just always wanting to make sure my family, like the family I was would eventually grow and Mm -hmm. be a part of uh, that. We were uh, churchgoers and also faith would be a strong part of our lives. So now as an adult, taking the kids to church and seeing them, you know, um, really just being hungry to know, like pray for, to God and yeah. And really wanting to know more about it. And so my daughter six, she, she wants to be, you know, prayed with at night and, and she'll, uh, she'll talk to God. So, I mean, these are cool things to see as a parent now. Heck yeah, dude. It's awesome. I love being a parent. There's so many, you know, neat things as you're talking about the Lord and talking about the Bible to them and, and the questions that they have. It's a lot of fun. And yeah. it also, it, it's neat when they have, our kids have all their friends or we all homeschool our whole church with the exception of a couple families homeschool. So okay. they're all they're all buddies and they're all hanging out all the all the time together and so the peer pressure for them is you know to they, there's a couple older boys in the church and they're like they're legends I mean these these guys <laughs> are like twelve and thirteen and all these younger yeah. boys look, look up to them and having that yeah. positive peer pressure is, is a really cool thing okay so uh, you, you're Christian walking with the Lord uh, so these other pieces of, of hunting and hard work so one of the things I admire about it seems like your crew out there is that it hard work doesn't detour you. It, it's like something that you look at and run towards. And yeah. that seems to be something that, that you grew up just catching. How is it that you're, um, if, if that's the case, how is it that you're raising your children in that environment as well? Just teaching them just where, where it's like, Hey, hard things are a good thing to do a good thing to accomplish. Yeah. It's a good thing to push through. It's a good thing to to face it. And instead of running away or avoiding, you know, squaring your shoulders and run, running to it. So how is it that you're kind of building some of that culture that you may have caught growing up within your family? Yeah, that's that's great. And I feel like you just explained exactly what I would hope to have tried to capture and something I could say. But really, with my kids, I, I just hope 
that they also love the outdoors as much as I have. And for me, my upbringing was, was very like challenging and hard and very like hard work driven. So I would be following dad through a foot and a half of snow, nearly hypothermic, like just in the blizzards, like, but that was so normal. Like I don't ever remember it as a bad thing. And uh, so when I take my kids out, I try to do hunts that are very fun for them. So we do bird hunting. Um, and then also the more, the harder ones are like with my wife, we got her a buck this year and there was a little bit of a hike involved that was challenging. And so I always remind my son that, um, this is, uh, this is hard. Like hunting's not always easy. This is, this is hard work and, but that's a good thing. And, and so it's very important that I try to remind him that there's this hard work element to it. And I don't know if it was just me or the way I was raised. I don't know, but I have siblings that are not like me. So it is a part of just who I am. But gotcha. as a four-year-old, I was outside working with my mom, like in the in the weeding, flower bed work, gardening, whatever. Like I was out working hard from day one where I one of my other siblings would be inside, you know, not doing that. And and it just was part of who I was. So um, so I mean, it's part of my identity is this hard work aspect. And and I overlook it all the time. So it's interesting that you brought that up from the start, because it's something I don't even think about. It mm -hmm. just it's so enjoyable to put out the effort into what we do in all areas of life, whether it be hunting or work. It's just there's this hard work element that makes life so much more, I think, so much more joy to it. Mm -hmm. um, not not a bad thing. And unfortunately, yeah, pe people can get kind of turned off to different things because of the work aspect. Um, yeah, but that's what drives me to it. So yeah, that is yeah, very interesting. Good. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. And <clears throat> it's funny because we live in similar states where Chicago dominates Southern Illinois. When I tell people where I'm from, I, I say from I'm from Southern Illinois, and you're from Portland or Oregon or, or in that area. And it's like you know that's not necessarily south, south, south of it's, there. <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily a reputation from outsiders of of hard work and and principle and ethics and. And yet yeah. it seems like it's a divided state, kind of like ours as well. Like, I mean, you're a runner, you work hard and it doesn't sound like you're a Portland guy. No, um, <laughs> I only went there for school and Portland is uh, two hours north of where I'm from. So, and also okay. even to further divide it is that uh, Springfield and Eugene are neighboring cities. So Eugene's the bigger city and Springfield's more of the blue collar type uh, mill city. Uh, okay. We have a paper mill. We used to have tons of logging mills around around the city. Um, they've kind of been pared down because of the legislature and and just um, logging is much harder to accomplish these days as it was back in the early 1900s. So um, anyway, but yeah, so Springfield's like the hard work in town. So that's where I came from. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. So um <clears throat> That and then this this hunting piece. You grew up hunting. You just said you're you know walking around as a kid. If you know fingers feeling like they're gonna fall off. This isn't something yeah. I experienced. I grew up and I was outdoors. My father, my grandfather had a farm. We went and I spent a lot of time in the woods and a little bit of time fishing. But the hunting came until I was like 35. There was a guy at our church and he said, "Hey, why don't you come out and sit in a stand and get a deer this year?" So I actually had to go to the hunter hunter safety course and oh, yeah. go through that whole thing and and you know used his gun. He just let me do all that. And, uh, man from 30, so I had a black, the last five years I've, and then I got into bow hunting. Um, and it's first time in the stand, like my first three times out of five in a stand, I ended up getting a deer. So I thought that was like normal, you know? And then the last couple of years has been pretty brutal. And especially now I've taken my son out trying to get him yeah. a deer. And, um, so I've been talking to people a lot about the process of getting, you know, into this. 
your hunting type and style is totally different. This West Coast stuff, I've been looking, it's just, it just seems awesome and hear all these stories. It's totally different than just crawling up in a stand, at, you know, seven minutes away from your house and your bed. But you're already passing this on to your kids. Why is it? I mean, it, it seems like, you know, this is just you're hunting. Once you get into it, you just love it. I've shot a bear in Minnesota. I've went pig hunting and uh, down in Texas and got turkey and deer and just love every aspect of it. So for you, like, why is it such a huge part of your life and why is it going to continue to be a part of your life? And and I want to encourage you, I'm, I'm like recruiting people that listen mm. to this show to get in. And I've had people, you know, text yeah. and, and write and email to say, man, I'm sitting in a stand for the first time ever. And uh, but why is it something you love so much and want to pass on to your kids? Yeah. So there is there is obviously the hunting aspect of being out and outdoors. And so that's the spotting of an animal the strategy of how am I going to get close to that animal that's very good at staying alive? And then how am I going to harvest it and then get it out of here? So there's all these pieces that really challenge the human mind. And I think those are things that kind of the iron sharpen iron, especially like in our faith and our walk is like, you got to have faith that this could work out. And also being that humans largely are alive today and doing well because of hunters or people that were good at, you know, acquiring food. Um, so that uh, skill set is so normal and natural and loved, I think, by, by humans. So it's like, until you do it, it's very hard to um, really explain it. So yeah, like you said, you did bear hunting and you just absolutely loved it and adopted it. And it's because it's so, so much a part of who we are. Uh, and that's the piece that I want to give my kids the opportunity to experience at a young age. And I had it at a young age. And so it's I can't even, I couldn't even understand what it might be like as an, as an adult. And I would say as an adult, I have a little bit more compassion, I would say, because as a young child, I, I was just hungry for, you know, like really getting it done. I'd say like the most important thing was, was getting the animal. But as an adult, I, I have more compassion towards the animals I'm hunting. And, and I want to love the experience as a whole. And I want to do it the best way possible for myself. So sometimes that means a more mature animal. So if mm -hmm. I was to take an animal that was younger, when it feels good, when it feels right. So I'm really looking for that, like on the edge of the cliff already an age animal, because it's lived its life. It's already mm -hmm. done its thing. And then now I'm going to be taking it home and feeding my family with it. And it closes out that loop of life with, with that animal. Um, there was another thing that came up and uh, now I'm spacing on it, but um, had to do with, uh, oh, the experience. So. There, I started off with saying there's so much about the hunting aspect that people could then kind of learn from, but also the solitude and out yeah. West is a lot different than East coast hunting, but it could be similar. So when you're by yourself and it's quiet and all you have is the sounds of wild birds, wild animals, the ruffling of the leaves when you're sitting in your stand. I mean, these things just like, it almost sends a, a chill up my spine of how valuable it is to have that quiet. And you can really hear from God in those quiet moments. And while people can get that, you can get your solitude on the couch in the morning, reading your Bible, you can get it in a lot of ways. But something about like being dirty and knowing that if you did not make it out of this extreme place you're in. So some of the places I go are miles deep on the edge of mountain ranges and cliffs and whatever. If you didn't make it out, I mean, that's it. So that's you have this uh, survival instinct. And that part really brings out that solitude of being alone hmm. and dependence on God. So 
your dependence on God is so much more uh, realized when you're in those moments, especially packing out an animal off of a steep cliff with snow on the ground. And, and your dependence too on God is like, Hey, I want to make it home. I, I want to see my family. Like, please keep me safe. It's so much more meaningful there, I would say, than sometimes when you try to replicate your solitude with God um, at home. Mm-hmm. And so that's the piece of hunting that I would say is a lot of times overlooked. And it's hard for a lot of people that do hunt to explain why it's so meaningful. But I would say it's that solitude aspect. Um, and so good thing yeah. my brain kind of I was losing it. But <laughs> I, I remember that, that that's that's so important. And yeah, uh, I'm right. glad I remembered. Yeah, yeah well, it's it's funny right when you hit end, that kind of thing pops back into your mind. Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> right yeah. after you stop recording, that happens to me all the time. Uh, let's yeah. talk about uh, physical health. You said you were a runner. I've been a runner only like 10 to 15 miles a week for about 20 years now, something like that. So yeah. never, never a hardcore uh, runner or anything, but you said you ran at Portland and you know, this is an element when you're going into the woods, you're getting that solitude. It kind of depends on being physically fit a little bit. So you're 36 yeah. now, you said, um, how, how are you maintaining? Are you just, you go out and run? How are you maintaining that physical side of things? You know, you got your job, you got your life. So wh- what do you do to, I mean, are you like Cam out there running, you know, a mile, a marathon every day, or <laughs> how do you keep that up? Yeah. Uh, my, is, is our audio, um, glitching by chance? It just, it just glitched, okay. but that's okay. I'll, I'll see that together. Okay. No big, no big deal. Perfect. Okay. Um, so the way that I try to stay fit is that I, with having four kids and a wife and a full-time job, it is in between. So a lot of times if I'm holding the kids, I'm doing a single legged squat, or if we're going up to bedtime and I'm about to read a book before bedtime, I'm on the steps and I'm doing like calf raises, you know, I'm like working out (laughs) throughout the house and like, I'll drop down and do pushups with the kids. Like, Hey, can you guys do pushups? And so I very much just feel like I'm not in a space of life where I have the time, but on the weekends or really with hiking and scouting trips, if I do get time to myself, um, like I would say on the normal weekly time to myself, then I'm putting in a lot of miles with hiking and scouting and other hobbies. I try to build it in where my, my fitness, uh, aligns with the activity I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I did like through my earlier twenties, uh, it was very easy to have time to go out for a run. And I did, I ran a lot and um, I was a distance runner. So it's just kind of come natural to go running. I, I think it's a great activity. It's not for everybody. Cycling's great. There's so many ways to stay fit, but I would say I very much am in a maintain phase because we, we're, we're pretty busy with the infant and the three. Um, but I don't want it to take away from my physical fitness when then I go out in the woods and try to get it done. And I do pretty hard yeah. stuff. So I constantly am doing like stabilization stuff. And like last year, I spent nearly every day in the morning in the pool. And so that was just something I did to stay fit and maintain. It was good mm-hmm. exercise. And, and I went through some health things. Like um, I had an autoimmune and a knee surgery and a back injury all Ooh. this last year. And oh, it man. was 2020. Yeah, it was a lot stacked up all at one time. It was really, really unfortunate. But, but I still, I had time to get out in the pool every morning to do mobility, to stay fit enough, to still, you know, maintain and carry through. Uh, I think once the kids get a little older, it'll be much easier to take them out and go for a run, but we're just kind of in that stage of life where we're keeping up and right. Yeah. So hard question to answer right now, but I definitely still every weekend I'll try to get out and do something hard, like a big hike or a run, Mm -hmm. meet up with a friend, go on a run. So I'm maintaining, I'm just not peak fitness. Yeah. I'm close. 
I'm yeah. actually getting a lot closer, but yeah. That's cool. Well, bouncing back after having so much health issues is, I mean, it could be a very difficult, I mean, you got the muscle memory and you got years yeah. of running that, you know, you'd been doing before, but how, so, what, so through that, the difficulty, like the health stuff, what were some things that you came out on the other end, kind of learning or grateful for that, you know, that, that, that struggle, uh, really produced in you? Like what, what were some good things that came out of that? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the hard things is that mentally I'm this young, capable human. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how, how did I get to a place where I'm, I'm dependent on someone else to help me get through my day. So I had oh, a wow. thyroid, I had a thyroid autoimmune and thyroid, um, is a very important hormone that I had knew nothing about. So your thyroid controls like thermal regulation and your energy level and your muscle response. So I was getting, I was muscles would constantly cramp and I was so cold that I really needed a heat blanket and a blanket on me at all times to stay oh, warm. Man. Yeah, it was not good. Um, I was in a lot of pain, but still it was hard to get out of bed sometimes. And yeah, so I was really dependent on my wife to, to help me through. And so to be the male, to want to take care of her and to be who I am, which is like over the top on athletics and physical activity to mm -hmm. then, to then get hit with that, where I'm feeling like maybe I have no idea what's wrong. First of all, I didn't for months, like probably four months. I had no idea what was wrong. I didn't know if I was going to come out of this. I oh thought man. I was, thought I was dying. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah. So I would say the positive is that I really was humbled and needed to depend on my, on my wife, uh, for help. And, uh, and also just, you know, your faith in God, like you're, you're just constantly in your head of like, will I get better? I don't know. There's no guarantees, you know, every, each day is a gift. So mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's kind of where I was for a long time. And then once I started to get better, well, we figured out what was the problem. And then, um, for those that don't know, it's, it's a pretty simple fix. Thank goodness. There's, there's a, a hormone that you could take, uh, by mouth, like a pill basically daily. And it just, your thyroid puts out what it can, but you top it off. Okay. And so then I get this adequate thyroid hormone. And then now, like, I don't feel like my hands are so cold or my feet are so cold gotcha. and I have energy to make it through a day and my muscles aren't cramping if I do anything. Um, so that then I came out of it pretty strong. But like I said, I was in the pool every day. That was the only thing I could do. Gotcha. Um, and I and I maintained through that time. That was a very challenging time. And on top of it, I had the knee surgery, which was removing a bone off my kneecap. Okay. Uh, like I was packing out. A, yep. I was packing out a buck in 18, fell on it. So there was a few years where I was struggling with that leg. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've been through some stuff. And so it's interesting that I still had the success I've had in archery and hunting and staying fit, um, just, uh, yeah. sometimes like you can't control what happens to you. You right. just try to make the best of it. And, uh, there's definitely, you learn through those times who, who people, the people around you that are most important, how they, how they do want to help you get through these hard times, these struggles and right. being humbled to say, Hey, I need help mm -hmm. because you don't want to ask for help. A lot of people don't want to ask for help. It's so hard, challenging, yeah. but that's, that's your faith in God is that you're asking for help. We can't do it alone. We mm -hmm. can't save ourselves. So, yeah. Amen. so that's a very important thing is to depend on, on others around you that love you. And yeah. Yeah. So. Amen. That's good. Okay. Let's uh, switch gears. We're going to do two more things here. So I'm going to okay. let you know what we're going. We're going to talk friendship real quick. And then we're going to talk um, about just Jesus. I, at the end of every interview, I ask you, why are you, why do you love Jesus? So uh, be prepared. Your mind can get going. Uh, okay. Friendship. When I see, 
I think every every guy longs for friendship. I said, I put a post on my Instagram yeah. the other day. There was a buddy, fishing buddy, who took out a billboard ad that, and the billboard ad said, "This is Trey. He sucks at fishing." And <laughs> I I posted every every man deep down every man wants a friend that would do that to him. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah, those guys are good buddies. Um, yeah. And it seems like in this in the decade of twenties and thirties, it can be a wasteland for for guys and friendship. And if you're at a church that you just are, you know, you don't actually want to be at, but your wife and your kids like, or something like that, you know, guys could even be more miserable being at church. And it seems, you know, again, I can't say seems like, cause I mean, I, you, you live in a family that people have put their eyes on and you know, I look at your dad, even on the bow rack and, and watch him doing this work and, you know, extending the bow rack and out there working in the cold and like, man, that, that's a cool dude. I, I like that guy. Um, but also you see these pictures that Cam's doing of all these old hunting buddies and yeah. their stories are legendary of men. They have, these are guys have real stories. This is what most men don't have and long for. Yeah. So how have you, how's that translated and and how do you fight for that? It seems like even with your buddy that you're on Cam's show with, I forget his name now, but it seems Wyatt. like you guys, yeah, Wyatt, it seems like you guys have some, you know, stories together and experiences together. And, and is yeah. that the key setting up times together just to spend out with, or spend with buddies in the woods or in the wilderness or something like that? How is that translated in your life? You're, you're, Growing up with your father, having good friends, and then how does that, you know, a reality in your life if it is? Yeah, that's great. Um, it's hard to know where to start because I feel like that was such a great recap of of a lot of things that people do desire. A lot of guys, and um, you know, even thinking about my wife, she's desired uh, friendships and and our community through good Christian based type friendships, and and she eventually found that. So I think a lot of it too is like if people come and go to in your life and and it's hard to always have that number of one that best friend that that fishing buddy example that you use like uh that that's that's sometimes i feel like that's very hard in life because there's things that change people move out of town go away and um i think we can't get too hung up on that other than that god, god we have seasons of life right. and 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 mostly i think what's important for me and valuable for me is that i'm open to that and, and when people come into my life, it feels like there's, there's an opportunity to adopt a new friendship and to grow with them. Sometimes very hard if you don't start as a young age, because like, as we develop as humans, there's something that's very, very unique and special about growing with your friendship with people while you grow as a human. And so like thinking about Cam Haynes, we brought him up, like with Roy, they were very, very special. They had a very special friendship. It's very hard in the hunting and, and faith and activities to have one friend that seems to like encompass all of those traits that if you like that as well, it, to have it all overlap. So for me, I have, I have very close friends that, um, that I kind of grew up with and through the hard times of my life. And we still meet up. I'm trying to meet up with one of those guys right now to go run. He doesn't hunt and there's nothing to do with hunting. Absolutely nothing. So, um, but that's a very close friendship, one that I really respect. And I appreciate this friend for a lot of his his thinking and the way he relates to different hard things in life. And so we really connect there. And then so with Wyatt, Wyatt's like one of my best hunting buddies, but he's like mostly all things hunting. So like okay. we get on these hunting kicks and we just like we we don't stop talking. And so like that's Wyatt and I. Um so yeah, I would say it is sometimes hard and I feel like we shouldn't maybe over idolize this concept of the best friend, at least for mm -hmm. me, because it is so hard in our day and age, in our world. If you're not like side by side with this individual daily 
Like they don't, you don't see them every day at work, for example. It's, it's tough. It's tough to keep up. So for me in my life, um, it's not necessarily like segmented. It's just when I can meet up with these friends, um, we try to make the most of it. And, and again, you have to be really efficient as a parent and as an older person, like when you get your time with your friend, it's like, you try to cover all the bases and yeah, you got to make it count. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I answer your question too much. No, that's but, good. Um, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Uh, we're actually, I'm going to throw something else in there because I forgot to mention yeah. this and it was one of the big things I wanted to talk to you about. So, um, one more transition, then we'll talk about Jesus again. Uh, okay. films, you got into films, Endicott films, yeah. Yeah. you do such a great job with that. The editing, I'm a video and content producer and I, oh, cool. I can't edit video at all. Like personally, I mean, I just throw this oh. up on YouTube, but I've been yeah. doing podcasts now for five years and I, I just, I can edit audio. I can't do video for anything. So whoever's yeah. doing your production, if it's you or whoever else, they're doing such a great job. Well done. But look, talk you. about uh, Endicott Films and send people that way if they want. And I'll put links in the show notes and everything like that. But talk about why you wanted to do that. And if that's here for the long haul and, uh, and then I'll encourage people to go check it out. Okay. I'll try not to take this too far, but I mean, it really starts back with like grandpa had a camera and took amazing photos and dad and I uh, inherited um, grandpa's slides. And so we would sit in the living room and watch all these slides around the same time. Dad was videoing every hunt showing us at home. Dad would give me his old camera. So then I was out videoing with this old camera and doing my own thing. And so a part of hunting was also sharing the hunt with whoever we could. So I was making films back in, in college uh, with my first Mac that I got that just like with the most basic editing and I'd put like casting crowns or Jeremy camp behind the, the video and, and crop it to music, the, the video sequences, and then show my friends. And so they, they had nothing to do with hunting. One of them being the guy I already talked about, not really mm -hmm. a hunter, but we still love to meet up. And so I would show them these hunts and they liked it. They, they would sit and watch it. And I don't know if I was twisting their arm to watch it, but like they would watch these hunts. And so we connected there even like, so I could bring it home. I could share mm -hmm. the experience. Yeah. Then a lot of years went by where I just hunted and I would take a nice camera and take video uh, pictures, but not really film. And I would film off and on. And it finally just hit that. I want so badly for my kids to know what I was about. Like mm -hmm. who was dad? What yeah. was he all about? And, and it just kind of dawned on me, well, there's all these tools. I could pretty easily adopt these tools and start creating something that I already had already, like I've been doing this for years. Now just buy these better tools to make a better production and put it on a platform that will hopefully be there. Like a document management system is YouTube for me. So I just saved it there. And then I, I think that a part of who I am is always wanting to improve, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're always trying to grow. And I make a couple of films and I see areas where I want to improve and, and I keep improving and and so now it's at the point where I think the films are are appropriate length and and I'm able to capture enough of the wildlife that I see out there. And then also um, I'm able to have the right sound that accompanies the video to make it seem like it just naturally flows. And and that's where I'm at. Like my, the other part of where I want to go with film is I love the human element and the relationship element of hunting. And so the last, I made two, two films recently. One is of my buddy, Joe Stark, and I took him out on the high country hunt and he's actually from the East coast. Okay. And so that's, that's a really good one. If you haven't seen that one, I just made, I titled the film, a short story about Joe Stark. And um, it's like five minutes, but 
he's he's a very composed guy and it was awesome to hear his explanation of what this hunt meant to him and and so i it just kind of fell in my lap like i've been talking about it for a while but i was like hey could you just tell me a little bit more about yourself i have like two questions i want to ask you so i videoed him on this like rock ledge just share like what would he want his legacy to be mm -hmm. and uh and so I, I videoed that and spliced it into this film. And I feel like that is what I want to do is capture who people, what people are all about and then how that overlaps with hunting. And then mm -hmm. the second film I made that's on that same thread is with my wife. Uh, so I, as a female, it's not, it's a common to hunt. And especially if you're a mom with like four kids. <laughs> right, right. And so, so we, we made it happen. Like we got it done and it's like, it still blows my mind that we got it done. And there's like this spectator audience of people because it's such a high trafficked area because you can't hunt anywhere hard when mm -hmm. you have like a string of kids behind you. Yeah. So I had, I had my, my uh, infant on my chest with in a baby carrier. And then I had the two boys and the Bob, we actually had grandma watching my daughter. <laughs> so we just had the three and we got my wife a buck. And so then, um, yeah, it's unreal. So then at the end of the film, I asked my wife just to say, what does it mean to you to hunt? And, uh, and then I spliced together her first experience as a hunter. Mm -hmm. And so it's with her bow, she got an elk. And those are the type of things that um, that I'm really passionate about. I want to continue yeah. to do that. I want to have experiences with people and let it be authentic. And if it works out, it's great. And then I want to capture a couple of things that are meaningful to them and put it into the film. So yeah. that's my film rant. Awesome. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> yeah. great. I saw that video and having your kids out there was pretty special. It was yeah. an awesome thing to get that, done, you know, get it done with everybody. And out then my there. son, my son to kind of like recap what happened is just so funny to me. Um, I still like, it's so hard to hear him. So I had to caption every word you said. That's mm -hmm. so funny. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap things up. I appreciate you okay. coming on the show. We, before we wrap things up, I want to hear why do you, Nathan Endicott, why do you love Jesus? I love Jesus because I feel like, again, all the things I've said is that life makes so much more sense when I have a creator to depend on. Uh, I've tried earlier in my life to really just muscle things out on my own, and it, it seemed like you come up against a, a brick wall. And so when, I, when I'm out in the woods and I have time to myself and I'm just in awe of all of creation, I know that my creator cares about me. And then so that's just aligned with my life as a whole. And uh, there's been times where I've been more hungry to just grow and learn and other times where I've really had to focus on growing my relationships. So there's this piece of like your your walk with God where you're hungry for education and learning. And eventually, I think both relationships and learning develop wisdom that really grow us as a human to the end of the day. So that's that's a short pack of like what it means to me to, to have a relationship with God. Yeah. And um, yeah. Good. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. If you want to follow those links in the show notes and check out some really great films, please do so. And I think you can buy, I think I just saw that there are, I think there's pinnacle hats. There's actually some swag that you have going on at the bow rack right now, I believe. And yeah. I'll, I'll put some links there for that as well. So guys go out and buy some hats and some gear from the bow rack uh, in support of Nathan and what he's doing. Uh, we've been talking to Nathan Endicott, brother. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.